Hi, I'm Sandy Cornish, Publications and Research Officer with the Office for Social Justice of the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference. Joining me today on the Revolution of Tenderness is Eamon Pollard. Eamon is a school principal and PhD candidate. We'll be talking about young people and mental health, concepts of well-being and the importance of meaning and purpose for good mental health. This episode is part of a series on the Australian Catholic Bishops' Social Justice Statement titled, To Live Life to the Full, Mental Health in Australia Today. Welcome to the Revolution of Tenderness. So, Eamon, thank you for joining me to talk about the statement and about mental health with young people. In the lead up to the uh, 2018 Synod on Young People, the Australian bishops surveyed more than 15,000 young people in Australia, and mental health, followed by school or study, drugs and alcohol, and body image were identified as the main issues facing young people today. In the social justice statement, To Live Life to the Full, Mental Health in Australia Today, the bishops note that mental ill health typically emerges in adolescence and early adulthood. In fact, three quarters of people who develop mental ill health first experience symptoms before they're 25 years old. Is this what you see in your engagement with young people as a school principal and in your research? It is, unfortunately, uh, and it's, um, it's getting worse. So anecdotally, I think anybody who works in schools would know that the amount of issues we're dealing with around anxiety and depression is growing and growing quickly. Uh, people who are in pastoral roles are now spending more time dealing with well-being and mental health issues than they are with behaviour issues. Um, and the anecdotal evidence is now borne out by the data. And um, as you mentioned, I'm doing a PhD on this. So I'm going, I can give you a few statistics. I'll try not to give you too many. And they are a little bit concerning. One's from the Royal Society of Public Health. And this is a British study, which says that rates of anxiety and depression for young people have increased by 70% in the last 25 years. Another statistic I saw which really opened my eyes was a sort of a graph where an academic in Melbourne had measured well-being for Australians across the life cycle. When people are about 12, they're quite high, but it just goes straight down. And the actual most challenging time in the whole life cycle is the ages of 15 and 16, which is about year nine and year 10. Uh, Headspace, um, as you know, look out for the mental health of young people. They've released data showing that 32% of 12 to 25 year olds Young Australians are reporting high or very high levels of psychological distress. Ten years ago, that figure was 9%, so it's tripled in um, 10 years. Mission Australia is another group that gathered data and they've um, found that 43% of their respondents were extremely or very concerned about stress uh, and nearly 31% are extremely concerned or very concerned about mental health issues. Um, another one, well, Another very concerning statistic is that the amount of young people presenting for treatment around suicidal urges, self-harm or intentional poisoning in Sydney increased by 159% between 2010 and 2014. So what the data is stating basically is that if you're a teenager, you are more likely to have a serious mental health issue. 
it's very concerning data and it confirms really I think what so many parents are observing and what young people themselves had to say to the bishops in that survey. Um, one of the things that the bishop's statement notes is that the causes of mental ill health are not only personal but they also lie in social, economic, political and cultural context as well. How do you think the economic and cultural factors are impacting on the mental health of young people today? I think oftentimes the political and economic can go together and that we're seeing a, an increase in a sort of a market and business approach to most things these days, including uh, sectors like health and education where that wouldn't usually be the case. So an example out in the school context is NAPLAN and NAPLAN has its strengths, but um, the part that most educators, if not all, disagree with is the My School website where schools are ranked in terms of performance. Um, so it's, the problem is that all things start to become commodified, a sort of a neoliberal agenda. Uh, the only sort of game in town that you know every government in the world perhaps agrees with is economic growth. Um, but economic growth in the end, all that is, is an increase in the amount of um, goods and services being produced and it's not taking into account the human Culturally, there's a lot that could be said. One thing I'll mention is that we all know about the rise of social media uh, and the use of screens generally. Um, I think two things that we as human beings need, one is face-to-face um, -face connection, and the other is that we need time alone. Um, and social media is neither. You're not actually connecting face-to-face -face with anybody, nor are you alone. So. I wonder if that's also a factor in, in the reduction of well-being for all of us, but in particular young people. Mm. There's so much more to life than the material and the economic, and that's at the heart of the concept of integral human development in Catholic social teaching. But so much of the messaging that young people receive is really about having the right things and looking the right way, and mm. social media makes that so much more intense, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's right. It's um, it's more and more of a challenge um, for all of us, but in particular for, for young people who are, you know, the teenage years are a tricky time of trying to find out your own identity. Uh, just in the last two hours, um, a mum turned up here at the school with her daughter sitting in a car who was refusing to get out of the car and um, it was all about feeling like she wasn't fitting in under all the pressures and so forth that um, go with being a teenager. So, um, yeah, the that human side of where people feel as though they've got some adults that they can trust and talk to and they've got a peer group where they can engage with is critical for all the other good things that we want to happen. Mm, because we're, we're not individuals, we're persons in community. So that's a really difficult thing for young people to negotiate, how to have that sense of belonging and contribution at this particular time when so much of the, the commercialised messaging is about you're not acceptable unless you're like this or you have that. That's right, yeah. I think the whole basis of capitalism in a sense is to try and talk us into thinking that we need particular products to uh, be happier uh, when in fact um, what you've just described is correct. You know, Aristotle in the start of one of his books says that you know human beings are political and what he means by that is that uh, we're communal that we need to be with each other and in fact um, really to be human is to not only to flourish individually but to see that we can help others flourish as well around us and that i think is is the goal that is in danger of being lost when um, there's a focus more on individual achievement mm, we're made for relationships relationships That's with it. god with one another with the whole of creation 
And I think that's what gives um, life meaning in the end is being in right relationship with God, with each other. Um, it's that encounter, it's that deep listening, uh, that's that experience of uh, feeling as though you've been heard, that experience of, um, you know, where your humanity is intersecting with the humanity of the next person and really engaging um, you know, that um, each human being, you know, is a universe unto themselves in a sense and to really get to know and understand another person you know, is transformational potentially for, for both people. And, and I think also that there is um, an encounter with the sacred in that sort of situation as well, when you can really um, have a, a deep encounter with another human being. Mm, yes. So ideas of good mental health, uh, mental ill health, the good life in general are, are very much connected, aren't they? So very much connected also with how we understand well-being. I'm wondering, Eamon, what's your vision of well-being for young people today? My vision is that what can sometimes be lacking is um, a sense of meaning and purpose. And so the question would be what actually gives meaning and purpose. And oftentimes it's about um, having a sense of compassion and altruism towards others to have a commitment to something um, greater than ourselves. Um, so perhaps one of the uh, best examples of this is perhaps an extreme example, but uh, that's where a lot of us would have come across Viktor Frankl and who was um, a survivor of Auschwitz who wrote the book Man, A Man's Search for Meaning. And, you know, that's uh, an extreme case of uh, difficulty, yet he said very strongly that uh, those who um, looked out for the well-being of others uh, were the ones who survived um, in Auschwitz and his whole um, area of um, psychotherapy after the, the death camps was based on that sort of a theory. And so that goes to a sense of service and serving others. And uh, when we serve others and when we really connect and engage with another person, um, we can transcend ourselves. We can transcend space and time and that can be liberating. And I think that's starting to be picked up um, in some of the uh, psychology. Um, everybody's familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, Maslow in later life added a few more stages and one of those was transcendence. Uh, Seligman. It's not Wi-Fi. Some people would think Wi-Fi is on the hierarchy of needs as well. <laughs> not quite as high. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Seligman is the founder of positive psychology. It's interesting that he's um, he went from one text was called authentic happiness, and his next one was called flourishing. And flourishing is not about trying to just be um, happy in the moment, but to uh, be fully human. Um, so it's encounter with others. And in the Christian context, um, some of the popes have written beautifully on this, especially the last three popes. Um, and Benedict quotes um, Corinthians, a very famous passage um, that we can do all these wonderful things, but if I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So that um, sense of uh, wearing it for the greater good of the other person, um, self-giving, um, the word in the New Testament might be um, kenosis or agape. Um, I think, you know, what's my vision? That's my vision. I think they're, they're beautiful concepts. And, and you know, teenagers naturally have that. To be human is to have that. And the job um, for us in schools is to provide opportunities for students to engage with others, perhaps those who've got less than we have. Um, and all of a sudden, life starts to make a little bit more sense. And there's a quote from an Australian Aboriginal uh, by the name of Lilla Watson, which I love, which um, sort of sums up in a sense, uh, my sense around service. And that is, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come if, because your liberation is bound up with mine, let us work together. So in other words, that it's not about 
uh, I've got something wonderful to offer you in, in a sort of a charitable sense, but more a case of um, we're in this together and that um, I'm actually probably going to learn from more from you than you are going to learn from me. So happiness is not the same as uh, well-being or joy or fulfilment in life and sometimes we might get caught up in the idea of the pursuit of happiness and a quite superficial idea of happiness actually. Mm. That's right and, and that's there's a whole industry around well-being in the last 10 or 20 years and that's what it's often about really it's about feeling better and there's a place for that we all need that um, but um, it's temporary and it's in the moment whereas a life of service to others where um, you know all of us have got some sort of thing that's important to us it might be the environment it might be refugees and asylum seekers it might be animals uh, it might be the rights of children whatever it's a commitment to something greater than to yourself um, and sometimes that commitment might even cause you some pain in the short term but uh, knowing that you've given something of yourself to a cause greater than yourself um, I think is uh, a much um, sort of longer serving way of um, a sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps the great concern of young people around ecology and, and the future of, of the planet is one of the places where they're finding meaning and purpose and connection with the transcendent. Mm. Absolutely right. And that's, um, I think, a, a source for um, optimism that I, actually, I believe that our young people will do a fantastic job, um, in some ways a better job than previous generation with their uh, commitment to the environment, perhaps their commitment to um, First Peoples, perhaps their commitment to refugees and asylum seekers. Um, they may not be connected to church as much, but um, they're putting their faith into action, even if they're not calling it faith. And I think also that that's sort of the way in um, where uh, that, those experiential um, opportunities, um, you know, awaken a sense of the, of the sacred for, for young people. And I've been very um, encouraged by the um, genuine commitment of young people to these causes. Yeah, they find God in the world, in people, places and events. And then having found God, we can talk to them about that rather than starting with ideas about God, perhaps. I agree completely. I think that's the, the way in. Uh, and there's a, so there's sort of three strands of it. And one way of looking at it is head, heart and hands. So the hands might be the start where you are engaging something. It might be um, spending time at a homeless shelter or something like that. But there's also a strand of um, formation of the minds, where it might be Catholic social teaching, it might be um, an understanding of why the world is the way it is, why um, some countries have got greater wealth than others, um, so awakening that critical thinking. And the third strand I think that's necessary is reflection, so the opportunity to, um, you've had this experience, something's churning around in the stomach, um, to give opportunities to give expression to what that might be. and. I found that if you put those three things together, um, good things happen. It's, there's the opportunity or the possibility of um, transformation. Mm, and it enables people then to integrate all of these things so it's not a separation between action and thought, action and faith, but these things are an integral whole. Yeah. That That's right. Social and, teaching yeah. is a tradition of thought and action. It's a way of being in the world. Absolutely, and that's, I think, what makes um, most sense uh, to young people. Um, they'll see through the likes of me if I preach this stuff and I'm not doing it. Um, and But also, um, I've seen it again and again and again where students who are having a rough time, uh, they might go on an immersion to Timor-Leste or to the middle of Australia or work with um, the intellectually disabled and something awakens inside and um, all of a sudden there's a sense of meaning and purpose and vocation. And uh, many, many times, um, 
people decide they want to become social workers or nurses or something like that because um, it brings them alive by uh, being in a profession that's all about giving. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great sign of hope, really. It is, it is. I agree. Gaps in our systems of care through which many people fall, including young people. There's, there's a kind of missing middle in community care. And the bishops, of course, call on all of us to respond, whether we're individuals, parishes and schools, local communities or governments. Uh, so if, if we're going to answer this call to respond, you know, what insights can you offer us from your research to how we might go about doing that? In the end, I think it comes down simply to treating people as persons who um, are understood as persons as to who they are, so deep listening. So uh, not treating people as objects, but treating people as subjects. So um, as a teacher, my job would be to not start with the topic I'm teaching um, and not lecture and that sort of thing, but to actually start with the person to find out who they are, what they know and to um, educate from that sort of point of view. So start with the person. Um, as a principal, uh, the same goes with staff, that my job is to not, um, you know, inflict leadership on people, but to work with people as, as the starting point. So deep listening and um, having their well-being um, as front and centre. I think the whole, um, as a Catholic school where I am, the, the whole Catholic thing that we're not inflicting on students as well, it's a case of, um, again, starting with the individual and where they're at and who they are, and then um, bring the tradition alive um, th through that way. So again, for me, it all comes down to the humanity of each individual, deep listening um, to that person, and, um, you know, personalising what we're doing to meet the needs of that individual. Mm, yeah, which speaks to the great commitment of the Catholic tradition to the dignity of each and every human person regardless of who they are or what they have or don't have or what they can do or can't do, the dignity in each of each and every one of us. I think so. I think, that so. I think that's... Go on. Go on. Okay. Yeah, I th that's... Um, and I think that's a difference. Um, if you look at a lot of these notions of um, reaching your potential and so forth, we're in there in the Greek philosophy and so forth, but there was only certain people who had access to it. You know, you needed to be male, you needed to be a citizen, et cetera, et cetera. Christianity has always held that all of us uh, have that uh, dignity. So, um, you know, if an individual is in strife in some sort of way, might have even done the wrong thing or accused or so forth, there's natural justice. Uh, it's always a case that you need to get the other side of the story before progressing any further. Mm. Yes, and in these times of COVID-19, all of us are under new and different stresses and I think one of the interesting things that the statement stresses so much is that people suffering mental ill health are not some other category of people, They're, it's us, it's all of us, um, it's our friends, our family, students, staff, co-workers and how to be conscious that it's, it's all of us in this together and how do we support one another continuing to honour each other and not um, not fall into the trap of stigmatisation and pushing people away, but actually embracing people in their need, not only because we might be able to be of some use to them, but the ones who are suffering or in any way on the edges are especially the ones who speak to us of God. God is always there at the edges and in those who suffer. So when we push people suffering mental ill health away, we're pushing God away and the opportunity to receive God's own self-revelation. 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that, and that's where uh, encounter with those who we might be inclined to ignore or be scared of. Uh, I agree totally that um, that's where the God is in on the edges, and that um, uh, my experience has been, say, working with those with intellectual disabilities, is that um, they reveal um, things about myself and. They reveal my own uh, disabilities, whatever way that might be, but also um, in being more aware of my own deficiencies, that creates compassion, doesn't it? And um, and so the by uh, being present to those who um, have a story to tell um, and where I might be inclined not to listen, but um, something gets revealed about me and something gets revealed about God, I think, and. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the opportunity for those encounters and the opportunity for reflection on those encounters um, makes for a sort of a, a gentler way of living. And I very much like the title of Revolution of Tenderness that um, when we are tender to those um, on the margins, let's say, um, we can, in a sense, their gift to us might be to be more tender towards ourselves. And then in turn, we can be more tender to those that um, we encounter. What a wonderful gift for um, all of us, but in particular, for example, the girl who wouldn't get out of the car today um, to say that, um, well, look, you know, you're feeling a bit scared and so am I. And um, so, so are we all. And uh, we're actually all allowed to be fully human. You know, um, uh, God became fully human in Jesus. So perhaps we can become fully human as well. We chose the title for our podcast, The Revolution of Tenderness, because it's a favourite phrase of Pope Francis's. And I think it's one of his great contributions to the life of the church right now, that uh, he's reminding us that actually, in the end, it's all about love. And sometimes in the way that people talk about Catholic social teaching, you could get the impression that it's all about principles and ideas and thinking. But in fact, it's, it's about manifesting God's love in the world, in society. Absolutely. Uh, I was in conversation with a friend who's a 85-year-old Marist brother and I was carrying on about this, that and the other, about the mission of the church. And he gently said to me, well, maybe actually the mission of the church for you is to actually be representative of what it means to be loved by God and to express that to others. And uh, yes, he was right. So yeah, no, I agreed. What a beautiful challenge. <laughs> it is, it is. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Eamon. Pleasure. I hope I made some sort of sense. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Sandy Cornish and Eamon Pollard in conversation about the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference Social Justice Statement to live life to the full, mental health in Australia today. Thank you for joining the Revolution of Tenderness.